Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today we're talking to Ashwarya Iyer, who is the founder of Brightland Olive Oil, which is one of our most used things in our kitchens. So we're very excited to talk to her. Yeah. Before we get into the episode, this episode is sponsored by Knight, the makers of our favorite pillow. We're going to tell you more in the episode, but Knight is retiring our favorite face mask. This would be sad news, except now they're 50% off and you can use our code NIGHTBOP to get an extra 20% off. So Grace, before we get into the interview, what is your high? Just a really nice weekend. We went out to the beach in Kiowa, which was so nice. My friend Natalie and then my boyfriend and Natalie's two kids all went out. And like we played in the waves, read a little bit. We drank a little bit. We got the kids ice cream. We got daiquiris for us. It was weird because I haven't been to the beach enough here. Like I love the beach, but I don't drive. So I like kind of am relying on another person and my family when they go to the beach they go at like eight because of zoe and i don't go to the beach at eight that's way too early grace the last time i was at the beach was in 2019 when we went to harbor island with katie that was the last time i was at the beach wow that makes me sad me too i mean we're gonna be at the beach very soon together but in um, 24 hours i will be at a beach but yeah i miss it so much so i'm so jealous of your your beach yeah. day. Yeah. I feel like I've been really spoiled because I got to go to the beach every day when I was on the Cape. Then anytime I go out to LA, we go to the beach like for sure. And then I just haven't been doing the Charleston beach thing quite as much, but I love the Charleston beaches. And doing Kiowa was the right move because we parked at this really nice hotel. So then we went to their bar and like that's where we got the daiquiris and the ice cream for the kids. It was just really fun. It was like a perfect little summertime day. Nice. And then we had we had a fun dinner last night with just my parents. And then tonight, my parents and my sister and her husband and Zoe are all coming over. And I'm in charge of the food, which means we're ordering Mexican. I was oh, like, we're having. Option. I was like, we're having Taco Monday, and they're like, great. Are you cooking? And I was like, no, but it'll be good because I don't ha- I don't want to buy groceries because we're leaving on yeah. Wednesday morning, and like my day has been kind of wonky because. Jeff is still here, so I want to spend time with him and not be fussing on, around cooking and trying to work and do all the other stuff. You don't need to justify it to me. I get it. Yeah. I know. I justify a lot with my family. Well, first of all, because I always cook Blue Apron, and I think that they think that Blue Apron is like a microwavable meal, which I had to explain that it is real cooking, <laughs> and they, I don't think they really like are buying it well, until I- your your dad is a retired chef, and yeah. if he has a problem with it- Tell him to that he can cook. Yeah. They well, last night they made us steak and salad. Oh, can I just tell you about the salad they made? It was like a regular salad with like mescaline greens and tomatoes and avocado. But apparently our French au pair when I was really young would take potatoes and you take potatoes, you boil them, and then you put them in with the salad dressing, and then you add the rest of the salad dressing. And salad with potatoes, it's like Kind of like panzanella, but salad with potatoes, like a carby salad. It was good. So it's kind of like a niçoise salad? I guess, but it was different than that. Okay. I don't know the, if I'm quite picturing what you're The what potatoes you're were like cut up into little bits and then kind of like soaked in the, the dressing. I mean, it doesn't sound bad. It was great. But my dad calls it Sophie salad because Sophie was our French au pair when I was like seven. Oh, Okay. 
Yeah. But it was a great weekend. That's great. Yeah. What's your high? My high is that as an update from last week, so we're recording kind of in quick succession because we're going on vacation, but um, I said that I thought that the Rom-Com Pods article might be in the Sunday New York Times, and it was. That was I so cool. still absolutely beside myself. And it, I mean, first of all, it's very cool that it just is a vanity thing that it was featured in the New York Times, but it's also driven a ton of traffic. So it's yeah, really I exciting. Saw- I saw the iTunes chart. Yeah, it's exciting to see people discovering it because discovery is one of the hardest parts of a podcast that, you know, marketing a podcast is so hard. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we've made these shows and it's all been through word of mouth, basically. And so it's exciting to see a whole new crop of people discover it. And hopefully they like it just as much as the people who've already listened. Yeah. So that was exciting. That was like a huge bucket list moment. And then I'm I'm ending my day. Today has kind of sucked. It's Monday. And um, I moved all my calls for the week to Monday and I'm like trying to get everything done before I leave and go to va- go on vacation. Um, but I'm getting ready to put on an out of office and where we're going does not have good internet. And I am so excited to be both on vacation at a beach, like I said, but also to be offline. Oh, I'm so excited. That's not a high for me. (laughs) Well, get on board. (laughs) I'll be finding Wi-Fi somewhere else. You'll be at that coffee shop the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I have a busy week of of, um, work stuff and I've gotten as much as I could done before we leave, but it's not all going to be done. But that's okay. That's okay. What do you have a low? I don't have a low. I don't really have a low. I don't either. I'm I'm all highs right now. Yeah. Let's take a quick break to talk about Uncommon Goods. So Uncommon Goods is, I mean, you really just have to check it out. It's an amazing online shop filled with unique, totally unexpected gifts. And when I say unexpected, I mean truly original things you won't find anywhere else. They have been one of my go-tos recently for fun gifts. One thing I really love is all of the craft kits that they have for kids. So they have like cookie baking sets. They have this really cool set with all different modeling clays and like you can make dinosaurs and just like like really cool shapes and they kind of like walk you through it so you can make stuff that looks much more elaborate than it actually is. And they also have great gifts for adults. So if you're still in the thick of wedding season and want to up your gift game, Uncommon Goods has so many creative, personalized, and really fun gifts for couples, especially that couple that already has everything. And I also love it for housewarming gifts. They have so many fun kitchen gifts, like cool, unique cheese trays in different shapes, or again, kits that they have for the couple to make anything from their own limoncello to chocolate truffles or a new signature craft cocktail for their new house. Their DIY kits are, I just think it's such an interesting, fun gift. Yeah. And if you want to take it one step further, they've also got a newly launched offering called Uncommon Experiences. You can choose from live online classes in mixology, cooking, flower arranging, and embroidery from handpicked artists and experts. Uncommon Goods is seriously the best place for gifts. They look for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. And with every purchase you make, they'll give $1 back to nonprofit partners of your choice. And they've donated over $2 million to date. 
So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash BOP. That's uncommongoods.com slash BOP for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Let's get into the interview. We are so excited about today's guest. Today's guest is Ashwarya Iyer, who is the founder of Brightland. Brightland was born to elevate the simple analog moments in the kitchen. Their hero products are consciously crafted extra virgin olive oils and fruit-forward vinegars from California with a focus on supporting small, organic, U.S.-based family farms. Ash lives in L.A., but prior to that, she was based in New York. And before launching Brightland, she spent 10 years in tech, venture capital, and startups. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad you're here. I was saying before we started recording, I feel like you're in my home and I think of you every day as I use my Brightland olive oil, but we're only just meeting today. You've known Becca for longer. Yes, but that is music to my ears. And I'm just so thrilled to, to be a part of this this afternoon. And we're so excited to hear more about olive oil. I love any time we get to talk about cooking on this show. I know. Or food. And yeah. I just think it's like such a, a lovely little luxury. We're just such huge fans of what you're doing. Well, so we introduced you, but we would love to hear from you in your own words. Can you kind of walk us through your career trajectory from college until now? Yes. Um, I grew up in Texas, moved to New York, finished up undergrad at NYU. I studied at the Gallatin School of Individualized Study. And the reason why I bring that up is because you create your own major. So I didn't realize it was very entrepreneurial, but um, you are basically creating your own concentration with something that has never existed before and will never exist. So again, and so there was something kind of... um, I don't think I realized it at the time, but I think maybe that there was some sort of chip that lodged in my brain that um, came to came to life when it came to Brightland, you know, more than a decade later. But I graduated into the, the recession, which was a lot of fun, um, and was just kind of milling around, like looking for looking for purpose, honestly, during such a like a ridiculous time. I had worked at L'Oreal for a bit and um kind of beauty and CPG, I think lodged another chip in my brain. But eventually I got a job at a fintech, like a finance technology startup and was there for years. I was doing, I focused on PR, corporate communications and government affairs was basically what I, what I worked on there. Um, and then went to a venture capital firm, did the same thing. I, I moved to Los Angeles a few years ago to work at a, another startup and um, spent some time there and then ended up partnering with a friend of the podcast, Rachel King. Um, you know, I know she's your work wife, Becca, for, for another endeavor, Romcom Pods. Yeah, Rachel is my, my co-creator of Romcom Pods, and that's how I know Ash. And we have a mutual work wife in common. Yes, I love that so much. Um, she and I came together to create a communications consultancy that we worked on for, for a few years. And then what led you to decide to start Brightland? So backtracking back to when I was still in New York, I come from a family of super passionate home cooks. I love to cook myself, but in, in New York, I lived in a you know like 300 square foot apartment and this was in my twenties. So I was just, I had a spreadsheet of 600 restaurants and was just like bopping around for years and eventually started cooking more, got into it. And 
both my partner and I kept noticing that we kept getting stomach aches every time we cooked. And at first we thought it was bread. We thought it was cheese. We thought it was the spices we were using and we were eliminating things. We went on an elimination diet and we were cutting things out. And eventually uh, a friend of ours said, you know, you should look into the cooking oil you're using. Um, and we had, I had never given it a second thought. And, you know, you just heard my background. I did not come from food, you know, the industry by any means, but started doing just light Googling. Like I was using olive oil. So I was like, you know, bad olive oil or, you know, does olive oil even go bad? You know, I didn't even know that. And what I found out was that a, it absolutely does, which we can talk about later, but B, there is a massive amount of um, sort of fraud and deception. Olive oil is the world's most fraudulent food. Basically, there is a tremendous amount of adulteration happening, which means that, and it's happening at a global level. Adulteration means that olive oil is being blended with palm oil or canola oil on a very regular basis. There's a ton of mislabeling happening, which means that, you know, it says extra virgin, but it actually is really old rancid oil. There's a massive rancidity issue. And as I started reading about this, at the end of the day, if the oil isn't quality, good quality, fresh, it's, you're not getting any of the health benefits you think you are, and you're actually getting mycotoxins. In any case, the whole thing was disgusting. I was floored. And I had this like just weird obsession with wanting to read more and discover more. So I kept doing that. And once I moved to California, I started visiting olive farms here in the state. And that's where, when I started talking to the olive farmers, first, I was so shocked at the beautiful, fresh olive oil that I was tasting. I'd never had fresh olive oil before. And then secondly, I was so excited that it was happening right here in California and was like, you know what? I think there's something here, um, you know, to be totally honest again, since I didn't have this like food chef background, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll create like a certification or maybe I'll like, I had all these other kind of bizarre, funny ideas. And it wasn't until, you know, I really sat down and thought a lot about just what it would mean to build something tangible and tactile that I said, you know what, I think there's, there's um, something that we can create here that's real. This is so interesting. So educate me a little more. So if I go to, you know, just like your regular run-of-the-mill grocery store, where is most of the olive oil on the shelves produced? Because you're produced in domestically and then specifically in California. I don't know. I'm, I'm given to believe by the brand names that most of them are produced in Italy, but now I'm pretty sure that's not true. Yeah, it's interesting. There is a lot of like I said, like mislabeling and labeling deception happening. So it might say, you know, product of Italy, but then when you look on the back, it'll say blended from Croatia, Turkey, Italy. So I think the most common thing that happens is these farms that may be producing amazing olive oil that are in Europe and in Croatia and other parts of uh, other parts of the world, they may ultimately all send their oil to these mass big bulk companies that blend everything together. That way they can make the prices come down a ton. And then 
they then package it up and sell it to Americans. And the EU regulations versus the American kind of the FDA regulations around the quality of olive oil is completely different too. So we're definitely, you know, getting older quality, older, um, older in age, worse in quality, um, lack of traceability. Like, you know, when you think about everything that you eat, it's important to know where it comes from. And that's why farmer's markets exist in the first place. Something so foundational as olive oil, olive oil is, is, is a product of agriculture. It comes from nature. It comes from olives. So it's really important to know where it's like wine. It's important to know where it's coming from. But most people in the States have no idea. That's so interesting. I I mean, I'm not surprised at all to hear that knowing how the FDA regulates beauty product ingredients that they wouldn't care about necessarily like ingredients or origin or anything like that. So it totally makes sense. It's just I'm I'm with you. It's something I've never ever thought about before. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. And it's funny, I my dad's a chef and I got him the olive oil as like a Father's Day gift a couple years ago or I don't even remember when. But I remember him saying to me, like, well, where's the olive oil from if this olive oil is so good? And I said, it's made in California. And he wrinkled up his nose until he tried it and was just like so impressed by it. So I don't know. I'm curious to understand um, a little bit more about the farm that you work with and if you could share anything about that. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I was just there this weekend. So I'm so excited. Can we all go? I want to go. I really hope so. I would love to do like a, a farm visit with with you know friends of friends of Brightland. Brightland works with a, a farm partner for our olive oil. We work with another farm partner for our vinegars, which I can talk about in a second. But we um, they are in a small town called Atascadero, which is in the central coast of California near Paso Robles. It's a husband and wife couple. They have two dogs. They have acres of olive groves. And, um, the, the husband is a miller, which means, you know, they have a mill on site and they mill all the olives fresh from being harvested. They handpick all of the olives as well with the crew. And, um, you know, I've, I feel so lucky to have found farm partners that believe in, in Brightland and what we're doing and are also, they take so much pride and, um, there's so much integrity in what they're doing too. It's 100% organic. They have a lot of regenerative agriculture practices that they're incorporating. And also a fun fact, you know, a lot of people probably know that California, there's a massive drought here. Olives are actually the most drought resistant trees to exist. So are one of the most drought resistant trees. And so um, they require very, very little water and I'm grateful to be a part of that ecosystem too in a landscape where, you know, almonds and pistachios, like love almonds and pistachios, but they are extremely water intensive. So yeah, that's a little bit about, about the farm we work with. Brightland is, is more expensive than some of the olive oils that you would see on the shelf at the grocery store. Can you talk to us a little bit about like the sourcing and the supply chain and, and why that is? Yes, absolutely. Because when I set out to create this, I did not expect that we would land at the price tier that we are and nor was it my intention. But the more that I learned about the industry, it ended up being that that was the only way to do this. And so to, to dive in a little bit deeper, 
you know, we work with California farms who, and this California farm in particular, that handpicks all of their olives. That requires labor. And we pay above, well above minimum wage to every single um, person on the crew that handpicks every single olive. We, um, the, the, the fact that it's completely organic is another layer to this. The fact that ultimately the oil is protected in temperature controlled rooms, that is another expense. And candidly, the domestic production raises the cost by at least 3x. So if we were to go and find a wonderful small family farm in Italy or in Greece or in Spain, um, our costs would come plummeting down. And that is the, the candid reality. And then you layer on top of the fact that our packaging, we have um, UV protected coating that we spend extra, you know, extra resources into um, to make sure that the oil preserves its integrity and quality. Um, and we also make sure that when we're packaging it to, you know, ship e-commerce wise, that it's packaged in the most eco-friendly way possible, which then adds an additional cost. But I want to I want to make it clear that um, in in many industries, a lot of the packaging and the trappings and all of that are the cost that end up being the the biggest part of you know why something is priced where it is. In Brightland's case, it is literally the oil; it's the product. That's really helpful. Like all these little things that us as customers don't necessarily think about. I'm curious because of that. Now, are you a Brightland purist or do you use other oils when you're cooking? You know, I have to say I'm, I'm quite partial to Brightland because it's so once, you, you know, I, and I think, you know, folks who've tried it can, can attest to this. Once you try it on, you know, whether it's a salad or you're roasting veggies or whatever you're doing with it, you become a little bit converted but I eat a lot of Indian food. I cook a lot of Indian food and I use a lot of sesame oil um, and I love butter. And my kind of latest foray has been figuring out ways that I can incorporate butter and olive oil in as many recipes as possible. And there's this um, spicy uh, tomato pasta that requires both. Ooh. And it's this beautiful like orchestra and medley coming together of butter and oil, which I'm thrilled about. And I, I'm just, I'm a asking the question because I know in a lot of households, people are going through olive oil at like a pretty rapid clip. And this is because this is a little more expensive. Do other types of oil like avocado oil or grapeseed oil or other oils that are like neutral oils that you might use for like roasting vegetables, do they have the same issues around sourcing or things like that. Like, I guess um, I think of using Brightland as like a finishing oil when I can actually taste it. So if I'm going to dip bread in it or if I'm going to put it in a salad or something, but I hoard it a little bit like gold, like I'm uh, <laughs> like I'm reluctant to use it in recipes that are like a little bit more intensive where you might not taste it. But I'm curious now if that's wrong and if all oil has some of these like same murky origin and sourcing issues. It's such a great question. The reality is that we've done a little bit of research on avocado oil and we found that there are exactly the same issues happening. And from what I understand, 
it's the same case in some other varietals as well. So my feedback and kind of advice to folks would be to, if you're, whatever you're trying to use, take a look to see, especially if it's all over avocado, take, take a look on the back of your bottle to see when it was made. A harvest date is incredibly important. If there's even a harvest date, if there isn't a date of when it was created and there's just a Best Buy date, that's red flag number one. Look to see how it's packaged. Try not to go for a plastic bottle, even if it's dark colored, because at the grocery store, those bright lights can still shine through and you're, you know, the, you're degrading the quality of whatever oil it is. Try to find a glass bottle or something, a tin or something that's opaque. Look for the harvest date. You want it to be as close to, you know, the, the date that you're, that we're in currently as possible. Olives are only harvested and I believe avocado is the same thing. Um, but olives are only harvested once a year, but you want to look for the most recent harvest time and, um, look for where it was made, you know, and try to really suss out, like, does it say it was created in, or, you know, um, coming from either California or from Italy. I would also recommend from a provenance standpoint to try to find oils that are coming from as close to where you are. So there is that kind of, there's less transportation that's involved that again, degrades the quality. So those would be my tips in terms of finding, finding a good oil. And there are some out there that maybe could be used as like a little more of the everyday. But I will say mm -hmm. for, for folks who are kind of going above and beyond to say, you know what, I'm going to buy farmer's market vegetables. I'm going to be as thoughtful as I can to, to understand the traceability of everything, you know, that I consume and, and, and put on, put in and on my body. I would really recommend that they think about the, the oil side too, because it serves as such a foundational element of our food. Absolutely. And I want to talk more about your your gorgeous packaging, which I've always just thought of as like really elevated. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of products have had a CPG makeover over the past few years. But now I'm hearing you talk a lot about the opacity of bottles and how that's important. And it sounds like there's more than just beauty behind the packaging. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I can, because I, I always say that our packaging is the Trojan horse. It makes people be like, Ah, okay. Because if we, I had packaged this, if we had packaged this in, you know, kind of boring amber green bottles, and I'm like shouting from the rooftops, but it's great quality, people are going to be like, I'm bored. Bye. But the fact that it was packaged in a way that I think makes people look twice, to me, that's if if somebody purchases this because they're excited by how it looks on their kitchen countertop, amazing. But what I'm so excited about is for them to then try it and taste it and say, oh, wow, this is different than anything I've ever tried. And um, that to me is the big win. So we call our packaging the Trojan horse. But but beyond that, we try to be as intentional as possible with it. The white coating on it is, again, to protect the integrity of the bottle. Um, we chose white because anytime I went to kind of do any kind of reconnaissance work in the early days, when I went to like Whole Foods or even, you know, the Goop store, or any kind of store that sold these kinds of pantry items, I saw that they were all bottled in that same like green, amber, forgettable color. I was like, what can we do that will one day pop? 
whether it's online on your screen or in a store. And so that was the the decision behind white. And then just a fun fact, like our, our, um, our colors are from farmer's market vegetables. So tomato, um, like star fruit, squash blossoms, blueberries, um, purple cauliflower. Those were all the inspirations for ultimately Brightland's brand colors that are on our bottles too. Now, what about the um, the artist collaborations that you do? How do you decide um, who to collaborate with there? Honestly, a lot of the folks came from like our vision board and like mood boards that we created. BD Graft was the first artist we worked with on your favorite oil, Grace, the Lucid Lemon Oil. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I'm so I'm so thrilled to hear that. He was on my vision board. And then I sent him a DM on Instagram. This is where the power of Instagram is just, I mean, like crazy. And he said, yeah, let's do it, which just still boggles my mind. Um, and it's been that way with, you know, Marley Culver, who designed our Ardor, the chili oil label. And um, just a fun, fun fact about Peter Som, who's a fashion designer who designed our basil olive oil, Arise. He was actually... Um, he did a collaboration with L'Oreal when I was working there. Oh. I never spoke with him. You know, I was so junior and just looked at him from afar and said, oh, my goodness. And so then when I you know, got connected with him um, just by happenstance, I asked him, would he be interested in creating this label for us? And he, he said yes, which I'm so grateful for. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Let's take a quick ad break. Bittersweet news. One of our favorite face masks is being retired. So you've heard us rave about the Night Pillow before, and we love their 100% silk face masks. And with the Delta variant in circulation, we're both back to masking whenever we're indoors. And my night mask is basically the only one I reach for. But the silver lining of masks being back is that Night has marked down all of their remaining masks and mask accessories by 50%. And with the code NIGHTBOP, you can get an additional 20% off. Yeah, that is such a huge savings. These masks are worth it. They feel really light and super comfortable to wear, which is so important when you need to wear a mask for a long time, like at the airport and on planes. I've been on a plane a few times a month, and I'm always so thankful to have that mask with me. They feel so much better than other cloth masks. And because Knight's masks are made with 100% mulberry silk, they don't absorb moisture the way cotton does, and they keep my skin hydrated, which is also an added bonus because my skin gets so dry when I fly. And another skincare benefit is that they don't cause maskne, which is the worst. Because mulberry silk is naturally hypoallergenic, it means your skin stays clear when you wear your night mask. But don't take our word for it. You know who love night masks? Pretty much every celebrity. Seriously, every celebrity you can think of has been spotted wearing their night mask. From Nina Dobrev to Jessica Alba, Adele, Gigi Hadid, Hailey Bieber, Priyanka Chopra, the list goes on. Seriously, it is the mask that Hollywood chooses. It also comes in six beautiful colors, black, blush pink, gunmetal, navy, emerald, and champagne. During the summer, the one that I've been wearing the most is the emerald green, but I really love the navy one. I think the blush pink one is so pretty too. Yeah, I wear the blush one a lot in the summer. So as we said, the silk triangle and the silk masks are all 50% off. 
Go to www.discovernight.com today and shop all of Knight's remaining mask and mask accessories. And of course, use the code NIGHTBOP for the additional 20% off. Make sure to grab one before they sell out. Back to the episode. So we know that Grace's favorite oil is the lemon. I would say my favorite, well, depending on the use case, because it's not right for everything, but I really like the chili oil because I like anything that's a little bit spicy. What's your favorite varietal of of the Brightland? Like, what am I missing out oh on? Oh my here? God. I don't know if I have a favorite. I think it's like what you said, Becca, it's very use case based. This summer, I've been using a ton of our garlic olive oil, Rosette, which came out earlier this year. That's my second favorite. Yeah, it's so fun and punchy. And I've been in I've been in like a garlic bread kind of moment this summer, which is so oh, yeah. off season, but super unapologetic about it. And it's super like it's really delicious. But coming back to the chili oil, for folks who are like tired of boring salads, my favorite way to use the chili oil is a panzanella salad. So you just take like a baguette, crusty baguette, day old bread chop that up, grab whatever's in your fridge. Like if you have like tomato, onion, cucumber, maybe olives, if you want to throw them in or bell pepper, toss all that together, grab some greens. It could be spinach or arugula or kale, throw that in there and then just douse it with the chili oil, add some of our blackberry balsamic vinegar and let it sit for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. So everything kind of like soaks in and it is a delicious summer salad. I'm super into using the chili oil with like salads that have fruit in them. Like with, I've been putting a ton of peaches in salads and I really love the sweet and spicy combo. Oh, I love of that. Of like a peach tomato mozzarella salad, but then with like the chili oil as, as like something a little interesting. And then talk to us a little bit about the vinegars because you introduced vinegar. Did you have it at launch or this was more recent, right? We did not have it at launch. It's more recent. We launched it in the middle of the pandemic, July 2020. You know, vinegar kept being something that our customers kept asking about. They were like, do you have a vinegar recommendation? What do you like to use? And, you know, we had some that we like, like I personally love, there's a vinegar maker in New York named Chris Crawford, and she has a brand called Tart, T-A-R-T. Her vinegars are phenomenal. Like if you can ever try her celery vinegar or rose vinegar, it's just, it's so good. Mm. So I've had, you know, my, my, my favorites, but we ended up meeting this again, husband and wife couple that's in the central coast and they have a farm on site where they have blackberries and citrus and they take, they pick the blackberries and they double ferment. They use California Chardonnay and California Zinfandel grapes. And they double ferment them to create blackberry vinegar and um, our, you know, citrus champagne vinegars. And when we tried those, we said, oh my God, it would be amazing to partner with them. And so that became the beginning of, of Brightland's vinegar journey. I have to tell you, the strawberry one is just, it's so good. It's just, it's so different and special. I've never tried anything like it. I, I, I really savor your products, like kind of like Becca said, especially the vinegar, because I know that one's limited edition. Like that one, I, I only use a little at a time. Well, the reason why I asked is because it's sold out and it we may bring it back next year, but it's a hot commodity because no one, no one has any. So hold on to your sight. <laughs> That was fast. I feel like you, you've you only had it out for like a month. 
Yeah, it sold out in four days. So we were surprised. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. wow. So we've talked about some of the um, the different flavored oils and we've, we've talked about the vinegar. Is, do you have anything else up your sleeve that you can tell us about in terms of any expansions or any, any new things that are coming soon? Okay. I'm so excited to share this. We are launching Brightland Honey on September 14th. Ooh. And honey, fun, fun facts all around, honey is the third most fraudulent food after olive oil and milk. And we said, you know what? We're going to skip the milk and we're going to tackle Fair. honey. And so we're launching two honeys, two types of honey. One is a, both come from fourth generation beekeeping apiary families in California. One is a orange blossom from, um, from California, the Central Valley. The other, I'm like so excited about this one. It's a it's from Kauai. It's an all female, all women beekeeping team in Kauai that harvests this honey, and it's a wildflower honey. And the first time I tried it, I just I had no, I was totally speechless. I've never tried anything like it in my life. And we've had our team try it, and we have videos of our team tasting it and saying what is this? Like, this is outrageous. And um, yeah, all that to say, we're really, really jazzed about introducing honey to the world. People should make sure that they're on your email list because you just said that the strawberry uh, champagne vinegar sold out in four days. So if you want to make sure you get some of the honey, you should definitely sign up for their email. Yes. And I'll give you a link so that if you want to share it with folks too. So we've talked a lot about the product itself, but a lot of people are also curious about going a little deeper into your career trajectory and some of your advice on entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, we read up on a lot of the interviews you've done and you've talked a lot about the importance of being curious and Googling everything and not taking no for an answer. And I would just, I would love to hear a little bit about some of your lessons in, in entrepreneurship and career in general? And, and also, you know, what advice do you have for somebody who might be interested in starting their own brand? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to speak specifically to a physical product. So not someone who's, mm -hmm. you know, wanting to build their own personal brand or um, start a podcast or something like that. So specifically a, a physical product or a CPG. First of all, I'm so happy that I had healthy naivete. So I would say, don't spend too much time looking at what everyone else is doing. Get advice that's actionable, that'll move what you need to learn and do forward, but not so much. And, and don't look at you know other brands so much because it can end up just kind of paralyzing you and it can be extremely overwhelming. And there's something really beautiful about having that, that healthy naivete because it'll keep pushing you forward in ways because if I had known what I know now, I'm not sure if I would have even done Brightland to be totally honest. So that would be, yeah, that would be my very first piece of advice. I, I think that's, that's broadly applicable or more broadly applicable than you're giving it credit for because we always say the same thing about starting a podcast. Oh my gosh, we do. Whenever anyone asks us, we always tell them that, you know, there's, you know, there's a ton to learn, but like, we're kind of glad that we didn't know anything. Exactly. Because otherwise you get paralyzed by, in our case, how bad the audio quality is or the things that we didn't know versus we just put it out there. And, and in our case, which is obviously very different than a product-based business because you have to invest in inventory and things like that. Like we had it, you know, it gave us the runway to just kind of like 
learn on our feet versus getting paralyzed by like having to have everything perfect. Yes, that's exactly to get it. Started. Yes, absolutely. And I think the other thing that I would add is that people are generous with their time more than we, we think they are. And so if you have specific, I think being as specific as possible is key, but asking folks who are maybe one to two steps ahead of you um, for specific action items can be just hugely invaluable. I learned so much from, from folks who are willing to take 15 to 20 minutes out of their day. And I think that's the other thing, not asking someone, you know, Hey, I want to pick your brain, but rather, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes and having that like exact question that you want to ask them. And also really think about who you want to ask. Like it would have been silly for me to reach out to before we launched, you know, to, you know, the founder of Sweet Green to be like, give me advice. Like that would have been so stupid, but instead reaching out to someone who, you know, I saw that they had launched their business maybe eight months prior or a year prior to then ask, Hey, you know, how did you think about this? That was, that was really, really helpful. And I, I, yeah, I think that, um, people are generous (laughs) and kind. All right. One last ad break. So as I mentioned, we are getting ready to head off on vacation, and it has been so nice knowing that I don't need to bother squeezing in a mani-pedi because with Olive and June's mani system, I can do it myself at home and save time and money, but still get the same salon quality look. Olive and June's mani system comes with all the tools you need for the perfect manicure all in one box. But the best part is actually their Poppy, which is a patented brush handle that makes it so easy to paint with both of your hands. Take it from me, without the Poppy, when I use my left hand to paint my right hand, it looks like my two-year-old niece Zoe did it. And then they have such great colors. I personally really like the CCT, which is just the perfect sheer, but not too sheer pink. And their polishes last so long. The quality is unreal. When I use Olive and June, my nails stay shiny and they don't chip. My most recent manicure lasted an entire week, and it still looks perfect. And it's also way more affordable than hitting the salon. When you order the Manny system with six polishes, it breaks down to just $2 per manicure versus spending like $35 on a gel manicure at the salon. So I'm going to take those $33 that I saved, never mind how much I saved on my pedicure, and I'm going to buy us a round of margaritas on vacation, which is money much better spent, in my opinion. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. Your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com slash BOP and use code BOP for 20% off your first manicure system. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash BOP. Code BOP for 20% off your first manicure system oliveandjune.com slash BOP code BOP. Back to the episode. So another thing that we get asked a lot about is confidence. And I just think that we, we hear a lot from podcast listeners who experience imposter syndrome and have that inner critic. They have a really hard time silencing. So you've spoken about this in other interviews that you've done. And I'm really curious what advice you'd have for someone who's struggling with those things. Oh gosh. Yes. I think the first, first thing that I, I personally had to do was really dig deep into what are these stories that I've told about myself to myself and where did they come from and unraveling a little bit of that 
was incredibly helpful. I think the second is this concept of inner critic. Um, is it tied to fear? And where is fear coming from? Like, what are you truly afraid of? And for me, a lot of it was, I was afraid of what other people would think. I thought they would laugh at me. I thought they'd say, how dare she? You know, I don't have a fancy HBS degree. I didn't come from some fancy D2C brand. Um, I thought people would just laugh at me and say, like, how dare she comes up with something and does this? Like, look at, like, who is she to do that? And I had to really spend a lot of time uh, like, I, as I said, unraveling and untying where that came from and why I, why I was feeling that way. So I would highly recommend doing that. There's a book called Silencing Your Inner Critic by Hal and Sidra Stone. So for, for people who, who want to kind of read and work through it, that book was super instrumental. And then finally, during this time, I did work with a life coach for the first time in my life. And that was also really game changing because she had me doing things that I would have, you know, historically thought were like, oh, fun and but kind of woo, woo like make a vision board. But she truly helped me manifest some of this into reality, which again, sounds ridiculous, but working with her helped me push through a lot of blocks that I had created for myself. So we're going to move into some short and sweet questions to wrap up. I'm very curious to know, do you have any other favorite food-related startups? Oh my gosh, so many. But first and foremost, Seed and Mill is a tahini brand that is so delicious. It's woman-owned. They're based in New York. So any New Yorkers listening to this, they also have a Chelsea Market Outpost where you can buy halva, tahini, and they have tahini soft serve. Their tahinis are so delicious. And I think that with the Brightland honey, there can be some magic that can be created. I've been mixing the two and then adding some pistachios and then just eating it as a snack. So love seed and mill. There's a Pakistani hot sauce company that just launched called Peepal People. It's P-E-E-P-A-L. And they use a lot of the, the ingredients that come from traditional Pakistani food. So I have all three of their hot sauces and I've been adding it to Everything from like pizza to, you know, any kind of like Indian dish that I'm or South Asian dish that I make. So I would I want to give them a shout out too. Oh, thank you. Oh, awesome. I'm going to we love supporting new businesses, but especially if they're snack related. Yes. I just took notes as you were <laughs> as you were talking. <laughs> a question we ask everyone because the heritage of our podcast is in books. What are you reading right now? I just finished Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I loved it. I thought it was a breezy, fun, delightful, light read. I had just finished something that was quite dense and heavy prior. So reading this was like really lovely. And I'm now reading, I'm in the midst of reading Gold Diggers by Sanjana Satyan. It's about an Indian American family and it's, relatable, heartwarming, a little heart-wrenching. Just it's it's really good so far. Is it contemporary fiction or historical contemporary fiction? Contemporary fiction. It just came okay. out. Yeah, Gold Diggers just came out I think 6 months ago. So it's new. Okay, cool. Becca, do you want to ask yourself. the million dollar question? Oh, I was going to let you ask the million dollar question. This is something everyone wants to know, Becca. I want you to ask it. Okay. So by far the most popular question when we put out the call for questions was, <laughs> can we get a promo code? And we know firsthand that that's not something that you really do, but we also know 
that you're going to give our listeners a promo code because we talked about it before we started recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. As you said, this is something we really do not do. And it's because of being a small business and um, having the margins that we do in food. <laughs> but I am so, I just adore you and Grace and the community that y'all have built. And so, yeah, use bad on paper for a code for the fall to stock up on some honey and olive oil and vinegar and all your, all the good stuff. And what does that get you? Do we know yet? Okay. We don't know what <laughs> that, that gets you yet. So it's going to be like a surprise. Like it's like a, um, we'll put it on social media. <laughs> we'll put it on social too, but it's like, um, it's almost like a scratch off ticket. Like you just go to the site and then you're going to put in the code and then you'll find out. Yes. You've been such a great guest. It was so great to get to know you better. Again, you, you're literally in my kitchen every day. So it's just been lovely talking to you. You also blew my mind with some of these olive oil facts that I had I had just never thought about before. I'm going to be honest. I have another olive oil I use for, for cooking and then I like savor my Brightland. And now it makes me want to just use just use yours all the time. It is a wild industry, but I feel I feel so grateful to be doing this. And I'm just so happy that people like how it tastes and resonate with the brand and, and most importantly, the quality of, of the oil and everything that we're creating. But bigger picture, thank you so much for having me on today. And this was so much fun. So you're not done yet because in the tradition of our podcast, you have earned your very own desperation minute to tell people where they can find you on the internet, where they can find Brightland, anything that they can do to support you. And I'll also ask that you remind people the details of the honey launch because I think people are going to be excited. I love that it's a desperation minute. That's too funny. Um, So you can find me on Instagram at helloaishwarya. I'm not too active, to be honest, or that interesting. So, you know, take it or leave it. But then Brightland, which is more interesting, is at brightland.co. And on Instagram, we're on, we're at We Are Brightland. Honey launch is September 14th. So keep your eyes peeled and use bad on paper for a special code um, with details forthcoming. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Amazing. All right, Grace, let's get into some end matter. Do you have an Instagram obsession? I do. So somebody who follows me flagged this person for me on Instagram, and her handle is at blonde, broke, and bougie. And she is – I am really bad at speculating on people's ages. I said a few weeks ago that I thought Tanks was 26, and I think she's 32. So I don't – I feel like this girl is much younger than me. Like I would say she's 25, but what do I know? Anyway, her account focuses a lot on personal finance. And what I really like is how transparent she is about her finances. And she also tracks her net worth and shares it like openly, which is such a bold fucking move. But um, if you like the type of content we do whenever we talk about money, I think you'll really like this account. And especially if you're a little bit younger. Some of the stuff she posts about, I don't necessarily relate to. Like she lives in a studio apartment and she's definitely like, young she feels younger than me but um i just i love seeing women openly talk about money and, and personal finances what was is your regular obsession 
oh, my, my regular obsession is a TV show. So I discovered this TV show that I haven't heard very much about. It's called The Other Two. And the first season of it came out in 2019. And then the second season of it just came out in the last couple of weeks. And it's on HBO Max. And the premise, it's a comedy. It's a half-hour comedy. And the premise is basically these these two siblings, a brother-sister, whose younger brother is basically like a Justin Bieber-type celebrity who gets famous overnight. So the two older siblings are in their like 20s or early 30s. And then their 13-year-old brother gets like mega famous. And they're both like deeply struggling in their lives. So uh, the brother is gay and he's like an out-of-work actor. And then the sister is just kind of a mess and like doesn't really have a job. And uh, it's really, really funny. And the, um, the mom is played by Molly Shannon. And she's like a uh, she's from Ohio and she's like a very it feels like an SNL character, like a very like over the top Midwestern mom who's like so into her kids and so excited for her for her son who's becoming famous. And she's like a momager to him. But I I mainlined this. I I watched all of it between Saturday and Sunday over the weekend. So I really liked it. Cool. What about yours? What's your obsession? Mine is a tequila brand. I put it on my Instagram over the weekend, but it's called La Gritona. And I was at my little like cozy little wine and liquor shop down the street. And I've been teasing them because there's this Casamigos shortage, which is actually a real thing because I had a few readers message me saying that it actually does exist. And I was like, where is the Casamigos, you guys? Like, I know that there's better tequilas than Casamigos, but I just really like this one. And they were like, there's a shortage. It'll be coming September 10th, but you got to try this one. It's so much better. And it's called La Gritona. It comes in the coolest bottle. It's actually made from recycled Coke um, bottles. It's so good. It's so smooth and easy to drink. And just like, it's the best tequila I've ever had. I like it better than Casamigos. And it's a Mexican owned distillery that only employs women. I saw that on your story, and I think that is so cool. I maybe I just haven't been looking for it, but I I don't think I've seen that anywhere in restaurants and in liquor stores. Yeah, I had never seen it before. And then I've had like a few people come over. Like Vanita was over, and she's like, "That's the best tequila ever." I was like, "It is. Like, it's so good." Interesting. I'll have to I'll have to look on one of the delivery services and see if I can find it. Yeah. in Brooklyn somewhere. What about on books? Um. So I finished. The Other Me by Sarah Zachrick Jang. And I will tell you, it got good. I wasn't sure about it. Like, I was kind of like, I don't know where this is going. Da, da, da. And then I had a night where I just stayed in and read. And I ended up staying up till 2 a.m. finishing it. So, And this is the one who walks through, a girl walks through a door at a party and ends up in her other life. Yeah. So it's kind of like that sliding doors theme. But it has like a kind of cool sci-fi twist. Um, okay. So I really enjoyed that. And then I have moved on to In Polite Company by Gervais Hagerty. And um, it's funny because Gervais is her, her two. I know her two sisters. One of them is Hart Hagerty, who makes really cool jewelry. You've probably seen her tassel earrings and like her charm necklaces. And then her sister is this woman, Curry. And I, ha- I haven't met Gervais, but um, the book is great so far. It's set in oh, Charleston good. and it's kind of like about this girl who's like in Charleston society. It's just it's such a beautiful depiction of Charleston so far. Like I've, I'm like, I've been there. Oh, I know that. Like, oh, like and it talks about a lot of the older families and things. Um, I'm enjoying it. Oh, nice. 
I have not done very much reading since we last talked, but I did start The Identicals by Ellen Hildebrand. Um, I have vacation on the mind, so I wanted to treat myself to an Ellen. And this one is about a pair of identical twins, and they're adults, and they're estranged, and one of them lives on Nantucket, obviously, because it's an Ellen Hildebrand book, and then one of them lives on Martha's Vineyard. And I haven't quite figured out what happens yet, and I don't really know what the plot is going to be, but um, I like blindly trust Ellen Hildebrand on, on anything she writes, so I'm very excited to get more into it. And if you need a book and none of those tickled your fancy, we also have our September book club coming up, and we are reading The Magic of Found Objects by Maddie Dawson. And Maddie Dawson is the author of Bad on Paper, fan favorite book called Matchmaking for Beginners. And this book that we're reading this month, Magic of Found Objects, is about a woman named Franzi who is in her mid-30s and lives in New York City and is just completely burnt out on the dating scene. And so her and her male best friend decide to get married and they think that they're being so smart and they're going to um, have kids and have just a very respectful and harmonious relationship and get themselves out of the dating pool. But then, of course, uh, she then meets somebody in uh, at work who she thinks might be a real love match. So she's kind of grappling with what to do. And then also... Um, there's a big family story, too, where it's also told through the timeline of her growing up and her her two very different parents. She has a very hippy-dippy mom who she grew up apart from for most of her childhood. And then she has a very hardworking, like, grumpy dad, kind of, <laughs> who she lived with him and his second wife, who is very different from her mother. So it also deals with them in the past and then also talks about her mother's, her two mothers' different reactions to her her marriage plan it's very fun and very cozy it like it gives me the same vibes as Gilmore Girls anything Maddie Dawson writes like it's like warm and fuzzy and you know it's gonna end up okay it's such a great book I'm excited to talk about it in a few weeks me too I actually have not read anything I don't think I've read anything with this kind of plot before so I'm excited to talk about it yeah so that's what we've got for you you can join our Facebook group to talk about books and more. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. I post there six days a week. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And if you haven't checked out Rom-Com Pods yet, which is my other fiction podcast, um, Honeymoon for One is the one that was featured in the New York Times. And I would love for you to check it out. And we will see you next week when we're all back and restored from vacation. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thank you.